Father, we declare your majesty to Father, we declare your majesty, O God. You are the Lord of the universe. You are the ancient of days. You are the God with whom we have to do. Our creator, our father. Lord, thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, be praised, O God. Almighty God, may our worship be acceptable before you today, O God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Chosen Vessel. Please, let's get our Bibles. We'll take our Bible affirmation standing, everybody. Say, This is my Bible. It is God's inerrant and unchanging word. It is my most valuable earthly possession. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. I therefore listen to it carefully and do it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head, by diligent study. Store it in my heart, by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life, by doing its teachings. And sow it in my world, by being a witness. Hereafter, I'll never be the same. Never, 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 in the name of Jesus. For his honor and glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Please, you may be seated. I'll be glad if you welcome somebody by you. Say, I'm honored and I'm glad that you're in church this morning. I'm honored and I'm glad that you're in church this morning. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Would you be kind enough to tell the person that is seated beside you to your left and to your right? My name is Tupe Akintelure. I am honored that you are seated beside me today. <laughs> what do you do? You have not told him anything. I'm looking at you. You two, you have not said anything. Has he told you anything? <laughs> if I ask you, what did he tell you? <laughs> Amen. We come to church to share fellowship. We also come to church to network. Amen. There's a lot of spirit, spirit in church. And a lot of business in church also. Because some of you are living here now. You are going to Protea to hold that business meeting. Who says we can't do the meeting here? Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Lord, please come. Amen. You're welcome in Jesus' name. Once upon a time in the Bible, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 13, God's servant, God's great prophet, one of the wonders in the land, even though he was not the pioneer of that particular route, he was uh, uh, a follower, or he was introduced into that route by his master, the man of God that God took to himself by wild wind, Elijah. This prophet's name was Prophet Elisha. Prophet Elisha was at the twilight of his ministry. Not that the power was ebbing, no. The power was not ebbing. But the Bible says that Elisha was sick unto death, the sickness that was going to kill him. And then the king of Israel at that time probably heard about it and came to visit with God's servant. God's servant was sick. The king didn't know God's servant was going to die. But the way he saw the sickness, possibly was suspecting. But one day he decided that he was coming to visit God's servant. And when he went to visit God's servant, unlike the other kings of Israel, he went in the most humble way, and he went with a very sincere heart to the 
servant of God. And when he got there, in those days, the greatest respect you can give an elder, particularly a man of God of his status, was to call him father. And the king got to visit him. And when the king got there, the king paid obeisance to him, my father, my father, the horses of Israel and the chariots thereof. He was touching a particular line, a particular chord, the same words that Elisha used in describing Elijah just before he was taken off. I don't know what impact that word had on the servant of God. But I believe it had an impact because immediately he said those words. The servant of God most likely went into the spirit and he saw a vision concerning what the king of Syria was going to do to Israel. He also saw a solution, a prophetic solution. And so without explaining, maybe there was no time he told the king of Israel, he said, bring out your bow and your arrow. And the king brought out his bow and his arrow. And the prophet told him, open the east window. And he opened the east window and he said, begin to shoot. That was all the instructions he gave. Like most prophetic instructions are not explanatory. There are steps of faith we take to provoke the release of the miraculous from God to us. In this case, there were two or three entities, so to say. There was the king of Israel, representing Israel as a nation, and also representing the future of that nation. There was a prophet of God that knew that his time was running out, and very shortly he would no longer be on the scene. The king will be on the scene and there are some things the king is going to face. In order to give this king that has thought it wise to come and visit him an advantage, he told the king, bring out those instruments. But the king did not understand. The third element was a God factor. And maybe the fourth element was the enemy. He told him, Begin to shoot. Do as if you are shooting. This is the physical. But this physical, the impact of this physical is not just for now. It's also for the future. Now, the prophet is with him. By the time he steps forward, the prophet would no longer be with him. And so the prophet wanted to prepare him for what was coming ahead. And so, what would deliver him was the release of the grace of God. But for that grace to come into effect in his life, and the grace will always flow from top, what would make that grace that is going to activate now to come here and wait for him is going to be his participation with the prophet of God to assure a future for himself. But that participation, what will make that participation effective is that he must hear, he must know, and maybe some understanding is required. But within the urgency of the time, there was no room for the prophet to explain to him. The prophet just trusted that he will obey. Why? He had the bow, he had a bunch, many arrows in his hands, and the instruction was shoot. The Bible says as soon as he began to shoot, the prophet took his hand and laid it on his shoulder. He was shooting a physical arrow without understanding why he was shooting. He was shooting a physical arrow without the knowledge of what that arrow he was shooting represented. And so, without having an understanding of what was at play, the Bible says he just shot three times. Pa, pa, pa.
far and stopped. It was not because the arrows finished. No, there were still a lot of arrows in the quiver. And when he stopped, the prophet then said, why did you stop? You should have kept shooting until I tell you it's enough. If you had kept shooting, you would have desecrated or you would have defeated Samaria several times. So that if you defeat Syria several times, their armies will not be able to stand against Israel. But lo, you have only shot three times. And so you will only defeat Syria three times. After that, they will come with a vengeance. What was at play there? God wanted to protect the future of his people, Israel. I'm sure God moved the king to come and visit the prophet. While the king was visiting the prophet, God gave the prophet a vision, so to say. And what he saw, he translated into instruction. The prophet was a carrier of the grace for victory. It was the grace that the prophet had that the prophet wanted to project into their future to wait for them before they get to the point in which they were going to fight. And the convergence of it was in the arrows the king was going to shoot. The number of arrows and the number of times he shot. Every arrow maybe has some level of energy in it. Beloved of God, he shot three times. He won three of the battles but lost the rest of the battles. Why? Not because he, did, he couldn't fight like he used to, but that was where the grace could take him to. For as long, the problem was not the availability of grace. The problem was his cooperation, his participation for the release of that grace. And that is the issue with enabling grace. Thank you, sir. Enabling grace... Let me read the scripture to us. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. He says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Meaning that I walked that grace to the last. The king did not walk that grace to the last. That is why he had limited victories. If he had walked that grace to the last, labored under the grace to the last, the chances are that Syrian army would never have been able to muster enough men or troops or resources to fight Israel. But he defeated them three times. And they were like the proverbial enemy that would not give up. They kept coming. They kept coming until they decided to win. Paul said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Oftentimes the problem is not the lack of grace. The problem is the element, the physical element, the human element that is required to partner with the grace, to participate with the grace. Oftentimes the problem is that a lack of understanding of that grace they call you to pray. They call you to fast. Oh no, God is not that difficult now. Huh? Why would I pray for three hours? Waiting die. Who I kill? Who I offend? Meanwhile, God needs you to stay in the place of prayer maybe for ten hours. And you begin to wonder, who I offend? Bro, you don't need to offend anybody for the world to be after you. You don't need to offend anybody for you to carry a pregnancy that you need to deliver. In Isaiah 37 verse 3, the Bible says King Ezekiel sent a message to the prophet Isaiah. He said, this is a day of trouble. He says, the children have come to put to bath, but there is no strength to push. As a result of that, there is disdain, there is shame, there is all kinds of trouble in the land at this time. Why? Because there was no strength. Paul said, I labored much more. I labored abundantly. The grace of God can be very effective, but grace alone does not win the battle. Grace requires you and I to participate. It is our participation, our doggedness in it that makes the grace to have effect. It is our following through according to the lines prescribed 
that makes the grace to have effect. When Jesus told Simon Peter, come, there was a release of grace. For as long as he focused on the master, grace was working in him. The moment he took his eyes off the master, there was no longer manifestation of grace. Enabling grace requires the human instrument. He was shooting a physical arrow. But do you know that when the prophet of God laid his hands on his shoulder and said, shoot, those arrows were no longer stick or steel and bow, whatever. They became guided missiles in the hands of the king without him knowing. If the target was here when he was targeting, and by the time he released the arrow, the target has shifted here. Not only has he shifted here, he had come under this place. Today we have smart bombs, isn't it? Today we have loitering munitions. Are you following me? That can move as the target is moving. In those days it was not. But by the laying of hands on his shoulder, the arrows had life. They had a sensitivity to the enemy and the target they were attacking. If the enemy moved, the arrow will move. The important thing is that that arrow that has gone out will not return void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. Grace is available. But how many of us are willing to dig the wells of grace? How many of us are willing to participate with grace to get an accomplishment? You see, in 1 Kings chapter 17, for about two years, some scholars say, Elijah, after he had given the word, and there was famine all over, no rain. The raven used to feed him. You can imagine the miracle of providing food through the raven. The raven was bringing him bread, food, two times a day. I wonder which bakery was open at that time. But the raven was also said to be the most selfish bird. If the raven has children, the raven will feed itself first before remembering to give to the children. This raven will go and feed Elijah where he was. So Elijah knew that in spite of the famine, because he was operating in a different economy, he was well provided for. Food was not his problem in the midst of the problem. But a time came, the raven ceased to come. The brook dried up and God told him, get up, move to another place. Elijah would believe that it was the same way as it used to be. Remember the story of Samuel. When Samuel saw the dimensions of Saul, he concluded that that Saul was a prototype of the king in Israel. So that when God left Saul and God told Samuel, go and anoint somebody in the house of Jesse, it was the same eye he saw Saul at the point of his anointing that he still think the next king would be like. And God told him, no, 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 no. The Lord does not look at where the face. He looks at where the heart. So when God said, go to Zarephath, for there I have commanded a widow woman to feed you. Elijah probably would have concluded that widow is different. She must have a storeroom of food. Her food must be so plenty that God is taking me to take care of her. Why? Because throughout the family, Elijah never prayed for food. Food was not an issue for him. But what he knew was to be where God wanted him to be. The Bible says when he got to Zarephath, the interesting thing is that Zarephath was neighbor to where Jezebel was from, Sidon. He went there by the prophetic grace in his life. He probably had known the key to understanding, to know who this woman is that God has sent him to, was to ask for water. Just like God told John the Baptist, go and baptize. The reason John the Baptist was baptizing was because so that he would be able to identify who the Messiah is. The Bible says, as you are baptizing, whosoever you see the Spirit fall on, come on him. That is the person I have chosen as the Messiah. And so, he began to baptize with a view of seeing who the Messiah was. And after he has pointed out to the Messiah, that ministry began to wind down. Now, when he saw the woman and said, give me water, the woman went to bring water. This woman in this place has water. In this place, no argument. She's going to give me water. She must be the one that I'm supposed to meet. And she said, well, woman, uh, while you are bringing the water, please bring me some bread. 
The Bible says the woman turned and shocked him and said, Man of God, what I have left in my house is just for me, one meal for me and my son to eat. And then if death comes, we die. He must have been shocked. But thank God for the prophetic grace in him. This is the place of the enabling grace. The Bible says the man of God said, go and do it. What made him to, what made him to say go and do it? Why? He had the knowledge that he was in the center of the will of God for his life. He was where God wanted him to be. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He was meeting the person that God has sent him to meet. There was no doubt of what the will of God is to the servant of God. Enabling grace is triggered upon the knowledge of the will of God and your willingness to stand by it irrespective of the challenge you are facing. Enabling grace is when you have a heart from God and you know that this is what God wants me to do at this time. How do I know? It could be that I heard from the inner witness. It could be that I heard from the word of God. As I read my Bible, it was activated to me or quickened to me. It could be that I saw in a vision, like Ezekiel saw in the valley of dry bones. Everywhere was so dry. And they didn't even know. God asked him, will these bones? He said, God, I don't know. It's only you that know. But Ezekiel did not do anything until God told him, do this. And he began to do it. The same principle in our lives, brethren. You can activate the enabling grace. You can activate the enabling grace. Oftentimes, when we go through troubles, when we go through challenges, it is not God, move, God, move, God, move. God had moved. God is waiting for you to do what you should do. You participating with him for the grace to be released unto you. And beloved of God, when Prophet Elijah knew that this is what he said. God didn't tell him anything after that. God told him. He just instantly, because he knew he was in the will of God, he stood there and declared, Woman, what you have will not run out. Go and make for me first. And the woman obeyed and went and made for him. After that, they had provision for the rest of the farming season. Beloved of God, when you know the will of God. When you know that somebody is within the zone of God's will being done in his life. It could come to you like it has come to me several times. I could just be talking to you now and a flash comes. The flash can be a sudden thought that comes. When it comes to me, I know I can differentiate it between my head and my heart. Because after a period of time interacting with this force, I know how it sounds from God. And when it comes to me, or it comes in a visual form, it can just come like this. I remember some time, many, many years ago, I think this was 2005-2006, it was the first Sunday like this, we had a dedication. And a brother in church came. He brought his first son to be dedicated. The first son was the third child. And as we stood to dedicate the baby, he gave me an envelope. And when he gave me the envelope, I just opened the envelope and I saw that it was US dollars that was there. I couldn't count how much was there. I had an usher stand by me then. There used to be ushers on the altar then. And I just turned to the usher and I said, keep this envelope. After service, bring it to me. And I continued with the service. And I forgot about it. After service, the usher brought back the envelope around 3 o'clock in the afternoon to me. I was somewhere in the office there. Oh, thank you. Bring it. And I received it. And I counted it. It was $700 that was there. And I left it. Passed it on to the treasury. Handled it. And uh, we moved on. <laughs> After the midweek service, I was driving home. I had some people with me in the car. As soon as I got to where Mr. Biggs used to be, you know, you have to slow in the evening for traffic and so on. Instantly, a visual was brought to me. I saw myself in that service. I saw the usher in that service, in the dresses we wore. 
I saw me handing over the envelope to the usher. I saw the usher receive the envelope. I saw the usher bring back the envelope. When that scene was passed to me, then there was an interlude and another scene was brought back to me. In that scene, I saw the usher neatly opening the envelope and taking out $500 there. I counted it with him as he was counting it. He brought out 500. You know, he has worked too, so we should share the... Amen. And right there and then, there was people with me in the car. I said, what? Everyone, what are you talking about? I said, what? I said, don't worry. When I got home, I called the brother. I said, how much was in that envelope? He said, $1,100. I said, I saw $700. He said, no, I'm not the only one that counted it. My wife counted it too. I said, don't worry. I know what happened. The following day, I called the usher. I said, please, I beg you by the mercies of God, bring the $500. Initially, he was shocked. But he said, pastor, I didn't touch that envelope. As you gave me, Naya, I give you. I said, really? Are you sure? He said, no. I said, no problem. I've received the 700, no problem. But if you know where the 500 is, please bring it back. The same mouth that blesses. Finish the rest. He's the one that attracted what happened. I said, no problem. It's okay. It's okay. And when he left, I said, God, show yourself. That's all. When you know what the will of God is, when you know the mind of God, it makes you a controller in that situation. You can speak and it has, can happen. It will happen, not can happen. I have been in situations where people have been in serious trouble. And I just saw, just like I described is that usher money, unfortunately? He made a very foolish mistake. There's a business, and I have known this usher from the time he was selling on the road, on the street. And he had built a business that had gotten to getting, he was now having a shop in one of the eyebrow areas in Ikeja. His shop was full. Unfortunately, he allowed the wrong spirit to enter him. He took and accosting. You know, if something is dedicated to God and you take it, it becomes a cost to you. He took it. And you know that from head to toe, that was the end of that show. Everything ended before that year was over. Some of us that know the story know what I'm talking about. I've been in some other situations in which Maybe talking with you now, God will just show me something. It could be about you, something I've known, something I don't know. When He shows me like that, I know that you are either about stepping into it, all you need is just a prophetic push, an instruction for you to enter. And I declare those things to you. I said, You are in the season of this. You are in the season of this. Like children, a number of times, you are about to have children. And maybe this is somebody I've been staying for a while. Or are you ready to get married? Or are you ready for the visa travel? Are you ready to travel? He said, Pastor, I don't even have a passport. I said, please go and look for a passport. I see you traveling shortly. And all those things come to pass. Why? It was because of the knowledge of the will of God that I took the bold action to speak and the grace of God was released to accomplish it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Beloved, it is not peculiar to me because I'm a pastor. It is available to all of us. It is available to you. It's available to you. It's, av it's available. By getting to know the will of God, you can enter into the promise of God for your life. And how do, I, how do you enter? How do you enter the promise of God for your life? For some of us. Like I told the story in the morning, of a time in which one of our bankers, that time when we were building this place. And 
we had some installments of facility we were paying. We delayed in paying a previous month, so they were very edgy. They will be calling us to inform us two weeks' time you are due, in a week's time you are due, in this particular time. And lo and behold, the lady called. And when she called, it was on the Thursday. When she called, I want to talk about how you can work with the grace to release it for your own life, for your own life. When you learn to release it for your life, you can release it for any other person. Are you following me? You are in your shop. Your shop is not selling. Why is it not selling? Meanwhile, people on your line are selling the same thing. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. It is because you are fighting at their level. And for as long as you don't take them to your own territory, you have been raised far above. If you don't take them far above and you are fighting them at their own territory, you won't win the battle. Because the strategy of a warfare is not like that. You have to take them to the level you are. And so, when she called me, I was on my way to the office. Our office then was this hall. It was just the roof at that time. And so, it was a Thursday morning. She said, your money is due on Monday. You must get ready to pay. This time around, no delay. And I told her, with boldness, no delay. After telling her, no delay, I then said, where will the money come from? Then I remembered Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes onto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. I instantly took a cue. I knew that that was what God wanted me to do. Look up. And for me, looking up means come to me in the place of prayer. And so as soon as I got to the office, thank God I didn't have anybody to see that day. I sat down somewhere where he's sitting there. We had some plastic chairs. I just put two plastics together and I sat down. And I began. God, I thank you for this work. I thank you because you brought us here. I thank you because you are going to pay this bill. And I started. I must have been praying like that for two hours. Because I knew when I started, I knew at a point when I was pacing. That's why I think it must have been for two hours. I prayed to a point in which I knew that the energy level would not allow me to sit down. Have you ever been to that kind of situation? Where you were praying quietly. Suddenly you got up and you began to shout. It could be in your room. It could be anywhere. I got to that point. I knew that at that point, from my knowledge of the word of God, I knew that I have reached the entropy level, the energy level, that if I speak, it will happen. But what do I speak? What do I speak? And so I just continued. At that stage, I began to pace. I began to pace. I continued praying. I continued praying. I continued waiting for the slightest signal in my heart. Then somehow, in the inner recesses of my heart, I picked up a signal that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to what? Lie down in green pastures. So his purpose for me to is peace. And brethren, I began, I continued pacing and I will declare, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 500,000 respond now. Come. Come in the name of Jesus. I don't know how long I prayed that prayer like that. Pacing. But I know that the entirety after about four hours like that, I got tired. Where I sat down to rest and continued to pray, I found out later that I slept off. Are you with me? I slept off. But when I woke up, I shook myself. I continued to pray. When you pray, and you are serious in prayer, and you sleep off, sleep. Are you listening to me? It does not disturb your prayer. It does not break the line of your prayer. It's not compulsory. You must pray for ten hours before God will hear you. If at that time sleep is coming, sleep. When you sleep, such sleep may not even be more than for 20 minutes. You will get up energized. Within that 20 minutes, you may never know God may want to show you something for you to walk on as you begin to pray again. I didn't see anything on this, but I continued to pray. I got back home that day, ate something little, went to sleep. By night, I got up again and I began. The Lord is my shepherd. I was just praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. By the following morning, I came back to office. I kept praying. 
I kept praying. I am talking about how you can activate that grace in your life. It comes by knowledge. Know that God is for you. Know that God is not against you. Receive a word from God. Paul knew what God wanted him to do. And come night, come day, he kept at it, he kept at it, he kept at it. There's no need for you to complain and there's no need for you to cry. Walk on the word of God that God has given you. I kept praying like that. I kept declaring the word. I kept praying like that. I kept declaring the word. Beloved of God, by the Saturday, the following day, something happened. But let me just pause there and tell you another thing. When we're building this place, in a strange way, on a day will pass, there were all kinds of bears that were seen here. All kinds of strange lizards. Strange monkeys. We had a security man that you come in the morning, you will pick dog people, you will pick human people all over this compound. Evidently showing that some people were not happy that we were here. Several times we will come and pick people by the gate there. And we asked this, how did this? He said, Pastor, I did not sleep. Oh. Believe me, I don't know how these people got here. I said, don't worry. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Beloved of God, the height of it came one day. And somebody here might get to the height of it one day. When I came in the morning at 6 a.m., it was a Sunday morning. All over, from the gate, at the gate there, all through the length and breadth of the gate, somebody had meticulously either pooped or brought poopoo and lined it entirely to the gate. Before, they used to put it on one side. I'm telling you this because some of you are in the market. And there are all kinds of people in the market. Don't fear their fear. For your enemy knows eh, that your rock is not like their rock. Are you with me? Don't fear in your office. Don't fear their fear. If God tells you don't sit there, don't sit there. So I got here that morning, 6 o'clock. Unfortunately for them, all through the night I was praying until that time. I just had my bath and said, let me come to church. Because I endeavored to come in before anybody just to condition the environment. As I got there, I parked the car. I saw a carefully lined poopoo down. And not only that, there was egg, boiled egg, somewhere in between. And I looked at it like this. And my spirit rose against it. I said, God, what is this? And I had in my spirit, it's not about what is this. What are you going to do? I stood there. I wanted to go in and say, wait, what are you going to do? So I stood by the car. Lord, what should I do? What should I do, oh God? I was waiting for the signal in my spirit. And instantly, Psalm 2 came up on my screen. In the spirit, Psalm 2 just came. I didn't know I knew Psalm 2 then. Can we have it on screen from verse 1, King James? Look at what the Holy Spirit triggered there. Why do the hidden range and the people do what? Imagine a vain thing against the Lord and against what? He said, the kings of the earth, the authorities, the rulers, they set themselves together and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against what? His anointed saying, let us do what? Break their bands in asunder and cast away their cause from us. Go on, go on, go on. The thing was coming like water. He said, he that seated in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them how? In derision. Verse 5. Then shall he speak unto them in his rod and vex them in his sore displeasure. Read to verse 6. Ye, yet have I done what? Set my king upon my holy hill. When I got there, I stopped. Then I repeated it again from verse 1 to verse 6. And then... He said, you know what? Why don't you speak now? I said, Lord, what do I speak? He said, speak anything. Do as occasion will serve you now. I said, Lord, I've been packing people here. I don't want to pack people again. Because when the people are there, everybody will leave it until pastor comes home. Pastor is the one that has the anointing to carry the people. 
Because nobody wants to be lame or... Uh-huh. And I can't wait in. They are not the ones that sent me here. It's God that sent me here. I know how I got here. So I will carry the thing. But on that day, I said, God, I don't want to carry this with you again. He said, speak the word. Speak. Do as occasion will serve you. I said, God. You know, by that time, we had just decked that building. The gatehouse. I climbed up to the top of the gatehouse. I had not packed the people here too. I crossed and I climbed. I said, as from today, anybody that knows about this thing and does not repent, as from today, from this moment I'm speaking, he will never poop away again in his life. He will never wee wee again. I prayed for another 30 minutes. By this time, it was around 7, I mean 6.45. I came down and I collected something and I packed all the people. I told the gate man, don't worry, you will never see Pupu again here. That was the last time we saw Pupu. The grace of God has always been there to stop Pupu. Whatever Pupu represents in your life, Pupu is there because you are allowing it. The grace of God is available to stop it. But it's just that you have not been offended enough. Your spirit is not steered enough to stop it. The grace is looking for what to do. You are the one holding the grace down. When it got to a point, the grace could not stay again. And when I began to cooperate with God, when I began to cooperate with God, when I began to cooperate with God, what did he do? He said, speak. Whatever you say, I will do. I never thought of those, those words before. I said, God, Anybody that has that knows not the person that people do because they can go and collect people from soccer away somewhere. Anybody that knows about this event here, if they don't desist from it, they must never people again or urinate in their lives. What are you sentencing them, sentencing them to? That was the last time you are carried that grace, you carry that grace. Why are you suffering in the midst of plenty? Why? Why? Walk that grace. Walk that grace. And so when the Lord gave me that Psalm 23, just one or two verses there, I think the first two or three verses, I kept repeating it, I kept repeating it, I kept repeating it, I kept repeating it. And in between I was praying. By Saturday, a friend of mine called me from Ikeja. He was living in Jerry Ikeja. He called. He said, Pastor, how are you? For quite some time. I've not seen him for a while. For about three or four months, I've not seen him. I've not, not spoken to him. He said, I was just thinking about you yesterday and the work of God. Yesterday was Friday. When the atmosphere was being conditioned, I would neither see rain nor shine. There was nothing to show me that God had me. Are you with me? Are you listening to me? Stop looking for signs. Tell your neighbor, stop looking for signs. Walk the grace. Walk the grace. The grace is inside you. The grace is boiling. It's waiting to burst and bring glory to God. He called me. He said, I, I feel like coming to attend service tomorrow in your church. I said, really? Come, oh, come. You'll be blessed. Come. He said, what time is the service? I gave him the time. And we left off there. I was in the midst of the sermon that day. When he came, he sat either where our brother here is sitting or where our brother here is sitting. One of the, but it was here. I don't know what I was preaching on. I've forgotten. But I kept preaching. I kept preaching. As the Lord gave me utterance, it got to a point I noticed that he was getting very uncomfortable. At a point, he reached out to his bag and brought out an envelope. Inside that envelope was a Zenith Bank checkbook. New one, full. I said, Abi, this is a 500,000. I just said it in my heart, but I was preaching, no? Amen. And I saw him. Then after a while, he put it back in the envelope, put it in the bag. I said, no. No. Today, that check, come out. Yes. You pray that prayer with your eyes open. Bank. 
Babka is coming on Monday. And I've told her we will not fail. And I'm seeing man, I stood here. Let whatever it will take come. Said in my heart, oh boy, bring out that check. <laughs> bring out that checkbook now and begin to write. Boy, I was preaching, oh. <laughs> bring it out. I was preaching. Then after a while, I just saw him move. Brought it out. I said, yes, thank you, Jesus. He put it on his lip, on his lap, put his bag in between. He began to write. I saw him write five. That was the first thing. I said, miracle is happening. He put the first zero. I said, this guy is too big to give me 5,000 naira. Oh yeah, begin to put zero there. Begin to put it. As I was communicating with him, heart was answering to heart. Me, I was preaching to everybody. Like I'm preaching to you now. You don't know what's going on in my heart now. <laughs> Beloved, such that is the power of the spirit realm. You can operate on many phases at the same time. I told him zero. He put zero. And when I say zero, he put zero. When I said zero, he put zero. I said zero five times after the first zero. He kept it. Then I was distracted and I looked away. Before I came back, he had folded the checkbook. <laughs> I said, oh, 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 why did I focus? Anyway, I was eagerly waiting for what he was going to give. Lo and behold, after service, when I saw him, he handed me the check. He said, on Friday, I was at the bank. I have a culture. Each time I collect a new checkbook, the first check leave, 001 there, I always write it in honor of God. And as I collected the checkbook, I had 001 is for that your friend's church. Go and give it to them on Sunday. He said, I should go and give them? Yes. And he said, at that time, he wasn't sure how much he was going to give. But in the night, between Friday and Saturday morning, he was told to go and give them 500,000. And he brought the 500,000. The question is this. If when the banker had called me, I had a number of options. I could have decided to run around people. Or I could have decided to call somebody. Oh, help, oh, help, oh, help, oh. Somebody wants to help. He gives you 10,000 naira. Has he not helped? To the best of his ability. But is it 10,000 naira you are looking for? So I had to go to headquarters. Are you listening to me? He's the one that knows what I need. He's the one that knows how to give me what I need without me saying I beg, hey Joe. Are you listening to me? And exactly what we asked for. That was the pregnancy. You cannot be pregnant for one child and deliver twins. Abby? If maybe I'd asked for twins, the guy would have written two checks of 500,000 each. But the important thing there is this, that God met that need. How many times have you brought shame to God in your life because you refuse to walk that grace? Tell me, are you saying that God is still not creating men? Doesn't God still have sons that he can instruct? My daughter is a social place. I want you to go and marry her. Doesn't he have daughters that he can instruct? My son from social place, somebody is coming to you at this time. When he comes, he's going to tell you this. Say yes to him. Doesn't God have the ability? Is God still not creating jobs? As bad as Nigeria is today, are people not getting government jobs? Why are they getting government jobs? Some will say by connection. Which connection is more than the connection that you have? In the market, they are harassing you there. Everybody is selling but you. And you say it's because they are using jazz. Because they are using jazz, they are selling. You, the carrier of the glory of God, you are not selling. Haven't you asked yourself, why am I not selling? Am I faithful in my obligations, in my kingdom, investment before God, in my tithes, in my offering? In my seeds, am I faithful? Yes, I am faithful. Then why am I not selling? It is not time for cry. It is not time for you to run around egg by me, Baba. That's when they will give you suggestion. Are you listening to me? And they are going to suggest to you their own ways. That's when they will tell you, come. I know a man somewhere. And they will tell you the way out is to go and sleep in the cemetery for three days. Can you do it? Will the Spirit of God in you allow you? 
Why don't you sit down in that shop? Sit down there quietly. And make up your mind. This shop is not closing. I am buying other shops around me. And I'm going to engage the principles of the kingdom. It's a decision you have to take. And sit down there. Maradas. Meleke Maradaka. Meleke. For you, it may take one month. It may take two months. It may take six months. But you must come to God with the knowledge of the Father He is. And He's a faithful rewarder of those that what diligently seek Him. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Mata. And do it all heartedly. You are praying like that. After two months, he's not answering. Don't worry. It will answer. In that shop, move to another level. The Bible talks of hours of prayer in the Bible, isn't it? Make sure you get to that shop early. 6 a.m. you are there. Open the shop. Even if it is one hour, you can do. Two hours or, or, or 30 minutes, you can do. Do it. Break bread in that shop. Make sure the crumbs of the bread touch the ground. Make sure the liquid of the blood touches the ground. At 9 o'clock, open again. kaba. 30 minutes, you do it. At 12 o'clock in the afternoon, pray to a point. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, the same thing for you in your office, they have refused to promote you. Engage the principles of the kingdom. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. I am talking about enabling grace. The Bible says, and the spirit of God hovered upon the face of the deep. The spirit of God hovered upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be. Why? The entropy. You know what I mean by entropy? The energy level has reached to a point, And God began to speak. Keep praying it. A day while you are praying it, you will feel a surge inside you. It's going to come from here. And a word wants to come. Give vent to that word. It could be a scripture. It could be a word. Whatever it is, keep saying it. Once you lay hold on it, keep saying it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Three o'clock you are there. Pray the prayer and say the word. Six o'clock before you close. That day, close late. Speak the word. Are you listening to me? Pray the prayer, speak the word and go home. Tomorrow, come back again. Come back again. Come back again. The enemy can never withstand the persistence of a man. Are you listening to me? Don't give up. Stop crying. Stop crying. Who is that man in your office? Several times I've been in very difficult circumstances. In difficult and challenging situations. That everybody will be... There's a particular office I was in, in a bank. I found that at a certain time, I would pack my things to go home. In those days, it was the fear of my marriage that kept me there. If I go home, what am I going to tell her? And I would just, ah, and stay. At a certain point, I began to speak up loud. And an elderly man of God told me, why was your problem? Take charge in that place. And I remembered the experience I had in my previous employment. And I began to take charge. If it takes words... I will speak the right words. And so I will sit there, I will pray. And then the words will come. I found that it's the same word. Where they were little and small, as a nation, from kingdom to kingdom, he suffered no man to do the wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, touch not my anointed, and do my prophets no one. Thus hear the Lord concerning me. You cannot touch me. Your enchantments are broken. Your spells are broken over me. After two weeks, that thing stopped. Three months later, I was promoted in that office before all of them. Look, listen. We carry burdens we have no business carrying. We carry challenges we have no business carrying simply because we have refused to engage the principles of the kingdom. That grace is available to you. Why are you suffering in silence? Why? Why are you suffering in silence? Engage that grace. It is called enabling grace participatory grace. You must participate to see the product of that grace. And that grace is available. Beloved, 
That was the last time I ever saw poopoo in this place. Up till now, I've not seen it. Because if they try it, it's an injunction. It's there in the heavenlies. Try it and get the consequence of it. Psalm 3 verse 3 says, The Lord is what? Is my shield. Is my glory. And my what? The lifter up of my head. These are scriptures that should not be far from your mouth. The Lord God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked and my foes came up to eat up my flesh, they what? They stumbled and they fell. Their confusion shall know no end. It shall be to an everlasting end. Stand up where you are. Begin to pray in tongues at this time. Walk that grace that is in you. If you are here, you are born again. You are born again. You are here, you are born again. You are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with an initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Come out here. Because you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to activate this thing I'm talking about. Come out quickly. Come out quickly. Come out quickly. I want you to be ministered to. When you are coming, come with everything you came to church with. You are born again. You are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. I want to pray for you. I want you to be ministered to. Come this way. Come this way. God bless you. Who else? There are a number of us like that. Come quickly. Come. Don't wait for somebody to come before you come. This is a destiny matter. Wherever you are, upstairs or downstairs, come. Let us pray together. The rest of us begin to pray. Put your two hands on your tummy. Put your two hands on your tummy. If you are coming out, come quickly. Come with everything you came to church with. If you are coming out, come quickly. The rest of us, put your two hands there and begin to pray. I release unto us the spirit of grace and of supplication. I release unto us the spirit of grace and of supplication. Put your two hands there and begin to pray. Mata, melekendera. That promotion must come. That lifting must come. How can people be dying like that in your family? An end comes to it. Mata, belekada zaka. Brede kembolovaha. Are there any other person coming out? Are there others coming? If you are coming out, come quickly. My sister, please come this way. Pray, pray, pray. Everybody pray. If you are here, you are not born again. You want Jesus into your life as your Lord and personal Savior. Come out this way quickly. Come out this way quickly. So that I can pray for you and you will join this group immediately. You want Jesus into your life as your Lord and personal Savior. Come out quickly. The rest of us, I want you to pray. God has made a way of success for you. God has made a way for you. Matter. Pray. Put your hands there and pray. I have a reason for saying that. Put your hands there and pray. Put your two hands. Put your two hands there and pray. Matter. Bele Krada Kamba. Baka de Kemba. In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. When God wanted to deal with the enemies of his people, he poured upon them the spirit of grace and of supplication. The Bible says, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. That is why I'm asking you to put your hands there. Steer the waters. Steer the waters. Steer the waters. Steer the waters in the name of Jesus. Steer the waters in the name of Jesus. The grace is on you. 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 Maradasa temokumba. Mendelekem bradasatia. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's be seated for a moment, please. Brethren, one of the keys is for you to learn how to respond to the Spirit of God. When it comes to you, it's coming to prompt you. It is time to pray. It wakes you up. You may feel tired. Get up and pray. You are driving. He wants you to pray. Keep praying. You are cooking. He wants you to pray. Respond to him. Respond to him. And when he quickens a scripture in your heart, a scripture you are not thinking of suddenly comes to your heart, say it out. Say it out. Say it out. That is how you are going to respond. And response begat response. You respond to him. He responds to you with further directives. You respond to him. He directs you further. You respond to him. 
he directs you further. And before you know it, you would have finished all that you need to do. Beloved of God, learning this way, nobody is born with it. But you learn to follow. You learn to follow the prompting. During break time, he says, don't eat today. Go and pray. Sacrifice that time. Sacrifice it. Don't eat that. You are not going to die then. Disappear. If you have a shared office, go to the toilet. Spend some time to pray. Or take a walk and do a prayer walk. The key to this enabling grace working in our lives is we responding appropriately to the Spirit of God. And as we respond to Him, we'll see salvation. Praise the Lord. I look forward to your testimonies. Because I know testimonies will abound in Jesus' name. Grace you have triggered today. Let that grace begin to work for you. Let that grace work for you. And as you respond to that grace, let's get the results of that grace. Let that grace be multiplied in your life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Pastor, come. Please just bow your head.